It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 News Talk WSB, 72 degrees outside. This is indeed Lawn Garden, and I am, you guessed it, Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. Whatever you're trying to do in your landscape, in your garden, in your home, if you want one more flower, one less weed, one less bug, one more beneficial insect, all you have to do is call 404-872-0750, 0750 gets you in to get your question answered and we will be about our business this morning one of the things that i've been thinking about for the past couple of days is this patch of poison ivy which is not anymore in my garden that happens to be on my left foot because i went out to three days ago now and went to have a weed whacker a string trimmer out in the backyard trimming up some english ivy and some other things and in the english ivy must have been some poison ivy I remember thinking of it when I finished with it, I hope there wasn't any poison ivy in that vine that I was whacking here because it's all over my feet right now, and I went and washed it all off after a while. But, sad to say, there was some poison ivy in there. So, poison ivy all over my foot. One of the things that I've learned, and I believe this to be true for everybody, but one of the things that I've learned over my years of having been exposed to poison ivy and having the rash on my skin, arms, feet, face, legs during that time is when it itches, one of the very best things you can do to stop the itch is to put a heated washcloth, just get a little little piece of cloth, a little piece of cloth, put it under the hottest water you can find in the house, and then put it onto the place that itches, little you know, rough, raggedy places on your feet or skin that itch. There will be a moment of Ecstatic relief is the best way to describe it. It'll be a moment of great pleasure because all of a sudden you'll feel the itch will just fade away. And all you'll feel then is the heat of the water. Don't burn yourself, of course, but just the heat of the water on your skin. And for the next hour, two, three, maybe hours, not a bit of itch on your skin. That is completely free, my friends. I am not charging you one penny for that information, but I promise you almost everyone that I've ever talked to has had the itch of poison ivy has put hot water or something hot on it and said, oh, sweet relief, it doesn't itch anymore. Thank goodness for that. So there you go for that. Now, there are those who don't even know what poison ivy looks like. And I do know what poison ivy looks like. I simply didn't see it amongst the English ivy that I was playing with last uh, last week. But the, the rhyme that always comes to mind, and many of you know it already, is leaves of three, leave it be. If you look down, you see a vine that has one, two, three leaves coming out from a central sort of red spot on the vine. The stems of those little leaflets will be red as well. When you see three leaves, leave it be. That is most likely poison ivy. Now, there's another vine that looks very much like poison ivy that has five leaves, one, two, three, four, five. And its name is Virginia creeper. And sadly for both of them sometimes, <laughs> they live in the exact same environment. Both of them love being sort of semi-shade. They both climb trees. Both of them you know, sort of clamber over your azaleas and over your shrubs in your, in your landscape. 
but the leaves of three, leave it be. Leaves of five can stay alive. So the Virginia creeper is generally not a particularly bad vine to have around, although I occasionally find more Virginia creeper vines in my, in my landscape than I really need, so I pull it out most of the time. And also, you'll notice that the young leaves of Virginia creeper sometimes just come out as a group of three, and so you might mistake it for poison ivy. Frankly, one less Virginia creeper is not going to kill anybody's happiness, so you go ahead and pull out the Virginia creeper. If you've made a mistake, no big deal. You're not, not losing anything there. Leaves of three, leave it be, leaves of five, stay alive. Now, there's another time, and I believe this to be completely true. My son was pulling up English ivy for me, and I promise you, I had looked in that patch of English ivy very closely because I didn't want him to get the rash on. He was only 12 or 13, I guess it was at the time. I just didn't trust him to look closely to see if there was any poison ivy amongst the English ivy. And so I went through that English ivy in a big uh, 10 feet by 10 feet, I guess, patch and said, okay, well, we don't have any poison ivy here. You can pull the English ivy in safety. And so he pulled English ivy for a good part of the morning. But the next day, he did have a rash on his hands. And it is true that you can get a rash from English ivy. Not, not common at all, but some people do have an allergic reaction to English ivy. So if you do, just be aware that is a possibility. The other vine that has been a horrible nuisance to a friend of mine is a vine called passion vine. And actually, it's a kind of passion vine. You all know the passion vine, the maypop, has the sort of purple spidery-looking flowers on it. Not maypop. This is called blue passion vine. It has blue flowers. It's also evergreen. It grows during the wintertime, doesn't lose many of its leaves. And the blue passion vine, or the evergreen passion vine, my friend had some in her yard. She was pulling it, picking it out of the ground and throwing it away in her wastebasket. And she got some of that blue passion vine oil on her skin, and it was like fire for two days. It was like her body wanted to get as much of that oil off of the skin as she possibly, possibly could. It was indeed fiery red rash all over her arms, all over her chest, all over her face. So the blue passion vine, and other than describing it as that particular species, it has rounded leaves. You'll have to look it up to see what other things make it different from the regular maypop passion vine. It was a real nuisance for her. So be careful. Look for the leaves. Count them. Leaves of three. Leave it be. Leaves of five can stay alive. Look out for English ivy. Not common for it to have a rash, but can be a rash on there. And if you have blue passion vine or evergreen passion vine, be very, very careful with that. Let's go to the phones. we got Bud in Locust Grove who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Bud, good morning. Hey, good morning, Walter. How you doing? Doing fine, man. What's up? Oh, good. Um, look, I, I planted monkey grass, and I told you about that after your suggestion in a shady place. Good. Okay, then I got a tremendous bunch of chickweed growing up in it. Oh, man. And uh, you suggested image, and it worked. I put it on half uh, first to make sure that it wasn't going to kill yeah, it. Good. So I did. I put it on half. It worked. I put it on the other half, and it it killed it all down. Good. Now, what do I do? What do I put on it? What kind of a pre-emerge can I put out there to keep that from happening again? You know, pre-emerge won't have any effect at all on the nutgrass because nutgrass comes mostly from the little tubers. Hopefully the image that you put down in the liriope and the monkey grass is going to control completely the, the nut sedge and the nut grass. But, you know, you may have a few of them that, that escaped the control this year. So keep your eyes open. You know what it looks like. So 
keep your eyes open next time. And if you see the nutgrass starting to appear again, use the image once again. But the pre-emergent only happens when you have a seeded weed, right? Crabgrass, uh, annual bluegrass in the wintertime, How about chickweed, things like that. And so the pre-emergent, any pre-emergent will be, can be used on Lyrio. Lyrio has no restrictions for pre-emergents that can be used on it. Okay. So anything you want to, halts or the Lesco product or any of the pre-emergents you might find, they work fine. Okay. All right. So, Bud, how big of an area did you plant in monkey grass to begin with? Uh, it's, it's quite a big one. It's probably about 50 by 30 or 40. And how did you, did you divide clumps of monkey grass or what did you do? Uh, I bought it. Oh, man. It, it yeah, all came in little pots, and it was very expensive, yeah. so I do want it to live. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's yeah. under two great big crepe myrtles. Nothing else would grow under them, but this is looking good under there right now. Of course, it hadn't filled in yet. Yeah. But uh, I think it's going to really look good. How how far apart did you put the, the pieces, the plants? Uh, real close, about, um, about eight inches. Eight yeah. to ten inches All apart. Right. And it'll fill in pretty quickly with that. In fact, if you were to, how long ago did you plant it, bud? Last fall. Yeah, if you look today and dig up one of those uh, little sprigs you might see now, there's going to be at least one or two or three coming up in the two or three inches between it and the next adjacent plant there. And so it's going to come in pretty quickly. I'd be surprised it wasn't almost completely filled in this, this fall. And maybe next spring it'll be completely solid monkey grass, nothing but... And there you go. And all you have to worry about then is the nutgrass coming back again, and you know how to control that. Yeah. Well, also, I had chickweed, and it killed all that stuff. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. Chickweed. The image should control chickweed just fine. Yeah. But I appreciate your help, because I couldn't, I couldn't get anything to go under there, and all yeah. I, I, I was going from a muddy mess to a muddy mess, so this time <laughs> it worked. <laughs> you know, there are only... There are only three plants, I guess, but that will really grow in shade that I can reliably recommend one is monkey grass lirio the one that you planted of course uh -huh. then the cousin to monkey grass which is called mondo grass both of them are not grasses really they're lilies but they're a little like grass so we call them grass i i got the edge made out of that yeah know? all right good that'll be nice nice and dark green there and the third one is one that a lot of people don't like to have but it turns out to be one of the best shade tolerant plants you can have and that's english ivy english ivy will grow under a magnolia tree if it grows under a magnolia it will grow in dense shade yeah, but that stuff will get away from you. I had it on one one area. It was growing up um, a sycamore tree. Yeah, and it was really taken over. So yeah. I I whacked off about a foot of it. I mean, a, a space of foot. Yeah, it's not a very good description. But two or three feet off the ground, I cut it. I cut a foot out of it. And it finally died, but yeah. it took forever for that stuff to die. It does, doesn't it? It takes a long time for it to die on the plant, even though it does not. You know, it doesn't suck any sap out of the tree. It's not a parasite or anything, but it takes months sometimes for the green part to turn brown after you chopped it off. Right. Yeah. It did. It took Interesting a long stuff. Time. But I it's been great talking. Shading the tree. You know? It's been great talking to you. I appreciate the call this morning. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, and have a great day. You bet. You too, bud. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750 is the number in Lawn and Garden at 617. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. You come old flat top, he come grooving up slowly. Got you, you. 
Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Pretty much again a carbon copy weather report for today and tomorrow. Partly cloudy throughout the day, 30 to 40% chance of rain. High of 90, low of 70 today. High of 90, low of 70 tomorrow as well. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We've got Don joining us this morning. Hey, Don. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Yeah. Good morning, Walter. How are you doing? Yes, sir. Doing great. Yeah. Uh, a couple years ago, I was at a garage sale, and uh, my girlfriend saw three little peach trees, and we picked them up and took them home, and I called you and asked you what to do with it. You said, that's going to be the biggest pain in the neck you ever had. <laughs> 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 but uh, we went through all that, and uh, uh, this year they they have some uh, nice little fruit on it. We've got it fertilized, and it seems to be okay, but the squirrels are competing with me to get the fruit. Um, <laughs> they they only take one little bite out of yeah. it, and then it falls to the ground. What, what can we put up there to keep the squirrels away from it? I laughingly suggested to Crystal Wheeler, who's screening causes for I said, he needs a monkey. <laughs> what you need, Don? <laughs> a monkey. <laughs> you put the monkey out there and say, you sit here in this tree, don't let any squirrels or birds on these peaches. <laughs> it's uh, a good monkey. He will, he'll do the job for you. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, I saw some netting and stuff like that at, yeah. uh, at the uh, Long Garden store, and they said, well, you know, we've, we've been hearing that birds get caught in the netting, so yeah, I was just do. trying to avoid uh, a catastrophe. Yeah, they uh, do. If you're, you know, reasonably good about going every afternoon, which I used to do when I put netting over my blueberry plants, and you go out there with a little pair of scissors and cut the birds mm-hmm. out of the netting, it won't be <laughs> one or two every couple of days. But it's not yeah. every bird, but some yeah. do get caught in the netting if it's real loose netting. Mm. Is there something I can paint on the fruit that will make it not so attractive to the the squirrels, they're pretty clever. Oh, they yeah, figure put, out everything. Put hot sauce on there, and then you got hot peaches, and your, you know, your sweetheart is going to say, Don, what's wrong with you? I don't want hot peaches. <laughs> oh, man. I do not. And frankly, Don, okay. I told you right in the first place, it's going to be the biggest pain in the rear you've ever had. Oh, it yeah. is hard. Yeah. The farmers in South Georgia, of course, that have various propane cannons and various other bird and you know animal repellents down there can use them, but... Wherever uh-huh. you are, I doubt they're going to appreciate it in your neighborhood. Those propane cans will wake you up if you're not careful. <laughs> okay, well, I guess I guess we just have to share. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to share. You're going to have to do, and you know, get a little, I don't know, stick or a pellet rifle or something. I don't know what you can do. that's legal to do out there, Don. You just have to grin sometimes. Some older cats. And... They're just not keeping up with them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Don, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750 gets you in. Take Don's place. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 635 at News Talk WSB, 72 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape. And all you have to do is call 404-872-0750. Dial those numbers. Crystal Wheeler will screen the calls this morning, and you will be on the air with me in just a few minutes. We come up to Nicole, our friend Nicole, who has a 
Well, suggestion about the squirrels and the birds and the peach trees. Hey, Nicole, good morning. Mr. Reeve. So what do you think? You don't think my idea for a monkey for the guy with the squirrels and the, and the birds in his peach tree? You don't think that's a good idea? Uh, monkey, come on, come on, Nicole. You might have more problems than, uh, uh, than the a well-trained monkey. A very, very well-trained monkey is what you need. A monkey that talks. As long as he can throw mud clods at the birds and the squirrels, he's fine. Yeah, and monkeys are good at throwing things, so you get a monkey that throws things, and he throws at the birds, the squirrels, keeps them out of the peaches, and answer solved. Tried to get along with everything, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> so what you you got a better you have a better answer than I do? Yes. What? Uh, my my blueberry. I put a, lo- a big big uh, bird feeder, so the bird go that don't bother the blueberry. And the squirrel, I put a cage, the squirrel stayed down. Hmm. But uh, uh, if, that makes sense, if the birds are full of um, uh, food, uh, yeah. they, are, they are full. If their belly are full, they won't go for the blueberry. Yeah, but what keeps the birds from calling his cousin bird from up in New York and saying, hey, come down here to Georgia, look at all the blueberries we have, and they've got bird seed for dessert, too. And so well, bird number one tells bird number two, they tell bird number three, bird number four, and they all come down and think, look at Nicole's blueberries and the bird seed for dessert. This is fabulous. Mr. Reed, the, the bird up north, they are just starving because there's nothing to eat in wintertime. That's so what when I mean. They so they come down to Georgia and eat your blueberries. No, they the, go for the bird feed first, and then they'll leave the blueberry alone. <laughs> I don't know if the carrying capacity is what the professionals call it. I don't know if the carrying capacity can stand that. What do you do for squirrels, did you say, Nicole? Well, I put a big um, cage because I have cats that go yeah. for the little dove. Pull them, I swear. They just need to fly higher because they stay <laughs> on the ground. So I put a big cage around it, and the squirrel cannot. I mean, it's impossible to them to... Uh, to uh, dry the little feet to go up because the bird feet are really high. So what? I, I what, mean, nothing is better than trying. Tell this guy to at least try the bird feeder. Well, another fellow called in off the of air and said he put sheet metal around the trunk of your tree, and of course that's fine as long as your peach tree isn't near another tree that squirrels can climb up and jump over. Ah. And if you have flying squirrels, then well, a flying squirrel could just fly all the way across the field. Ah, sorry, there's no good answer, but at least least we're trying. But it wouldn't be good for a big orchard of peaches, though. Yeah, maybe. You gotta have a lot of bird seed seed for the big orchard of peaches. Nicole, I gotta go. We got people stacked up here. It was great to hear from you this morning. Thanks for calling. Enjoy your day. We'll see you soon. We got, let's see, William comes to us. William comes to us with his question about privacy landscaping. Hey, William, good morning. Good morning. Hey, man, what's up? I've got a neighbor that uh i don't like to conversate with so i want to put up some privacy fence yeah. or privacy uh landscaping in between that's uh low maintenance and uh, my dad had some up there but uh they're red tips and they got diseased yeah. before they died yeah, and i want to know if i can put something in there and you know it was probably 10 15 years ago when the uh, red tips uh died out yeah but um is that uh that disease shouldn't be in the in the dirt, should it? Yeah, whether it's in the dirt or not, somebody somewhere in your neighborhood has a red tip with the disease on it, which would get over to yours, and they'll be wiped out as bad as the other ones were. So I don't so I don't recommend have... red tips anymore. But there's there are plenty of big shrubs that you can get, William, that, that give you good privacy. I mean, 
One of the ones that people use commonly, if you have a little bit of room, is Burford Holly. Burford Holly has little stickers on it, and nobody wants to come on your property anyway. But it's a Burford <laughs> Holly. It's evergreen and I guess 10 to 15 feet high, and it's a big plant. Do you have a lot of width room, or do, you, do it need to be pretty narrow? Well, uh, I've probably got about three, two, three feet uh, there that I can uh, play with. Mm. Uh, I've got like a, a ret- retaining wall, a brick wall. And then on the top of that, I've got about another three feet there that I can play with. But yeah. I, I have some bamboo on my property, but, but, you know, it might, it might grow on into, uh, you know, their property, but you know, like well, you know, the bamboo takes off. I don't care if you don't like to conversate with that neighbor, don't plant bamboo. One day they're going to leave and somebody comes in, it's real nice. And you're going to have to apologize to them for all the bamboos in their backyard and over the back of the property. <laughs> No, not bamboo. Uh-uh, we're not going to do that. Um, let's see, what else could be a good, nice colander thing? Yeah, arborvitae is an evergreen needled plant. Arborvitae is one particularly that a lot of people use called um, emerald green. <clears throat> so if you go to a garden center and say, I need some emerald green arborvitae, it only gets uh, four or five feet wide, so it's not terribly wide. Um, how tall do you want it to be, William? Well, I was... <clears throat> Somebody told me about the uh, uh, the cypress trees, you know, like uh, the Leland cypress. Sure. But I, I hear that they're kind of pricey. And they uh, fall and they over get a, too. Yeah. And so I think if you can, if you water, and I don't plant things now. Now is not the right time to be planting woody plants, William, because it gets really hot during the summer. Small things, shrubs are fine. No, no big deal there. And if you really want to, and you know, we're promising to stay on top of it and water during the summer. You could even plant trees now. But it's better to plant trees and big things like arborvitae and some of the larger stock that you might want to consider. Do that in the fall. Do it in October usually is a good time to plant uh, things like that. I got some more suggestions. William, if you go to our website and just type screening, it's all one word in the search line, screening, and I got a whole list of 20 probably different plants, different widths and heights, and some are a little bit evergreen, some are more evergreen than others. Check out that list and see if there's some things on there that don't help a little bit with it, with your screening situation. Don't use bamboo. That's my rule. All right. Thank you very much. William, thanks for calling. We'll see you soon, man. All right. Bye-bye. It's, uh, let's see, Margo's turn. Margo is on line three. Here she comes. Hey, Margo, good morning. Welcome to Long Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. Um, My question is about tomato plants. I think I have early blight on my leaves. And I have it on a brand, in a brand-new raised bed surrounded by Bermuda grass. Could the clippings, when we mow the Bermuda grass, be triggering this? Probably not. What no, is, okay. What does the symptom on the tomato plant look like? Okay, just like the pictures on your website, the yellowing leaves near the bottom and the brown spots yeah. and holes. Is it many leaves or just a couple at the bottom or what? It, it seems to be most of the ones at the bottom, and I see some higher in the center. Um, you're getting close to the point where you may consider spraying with a fungicide that will stop the early blight from spreading even further. If you had only okay. one leaf at the bottom, I might say, oh, go ahead, Margo, pick it off and keep your fingers crossed. Maybe it won't spread any further. Uh-huh. But if you have it spreading and it's up, Two yeah. of a foot or more from the from the soil, then it can splash up a stem and flash from the stem onto leaves, and then you got problems. So I think it's about time to consider anyway. Consider using a fungicide. Okay, and so I would 
not that there's any ready to pick now, but pick before I spray and then don't yes. use any for seven read, days. Read the label. Daconil is the one that most people use, D-A-C-O-N-I-L, Daconil. And uh, spray that and read the label, of course, to see what the waiting interval is before you spray. And you really are not going to spray much on the fruit anyway. You'll spray it onto the, onto the leaves. But just be careful. Read the label and follow it. All right. Well, my husband will be glad he doesn't have to be careful with the mower. I was going to say, who are you blaming? Who is going to be blamed for putting the clippings on the tomato plant if that indeed is the cause of the early blight? And I was hoping it was not him. But it looks like it was. But he's out of the, out of the, in the clear right now, I guess. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thanks for calling, Margot. We got uh, Roy on the line. Hey, Roy. Good morning. Hey, how you doing, Mister Reed? Doing fine, Roy. What's up? I got a. I got some uh, uh, banana plants. I call them plants. Uh, you know, they're about they're about five and a half, maybe six feet tall. Sure. They've been they've been in the, they've been in the grounds. I know two and a half months there, and um, I've had them over years and years, and and and, and it's grown up. But the leaf that comes right out of the top, yeah. it, it it won't come. It, it's up there about maybe four or five inches, and it just stopped. Huh. Now, yeah, but seen anything like that before? I, all this time I fooled with them, I never. It's never been like that before. That is really interesting, Roy. Most bananas, when they grow, the leaf yeah, as you said, yeah, so yeah, the top, I got, I, I got, right I, I got about maybe five or six more plants, uh, and and ever ever, uh, I call it real good. Ever ever week, I have a new leaf comes yeah. out on some one of them. So is it all of them that have the leaf that stopped growing, or is it just one that's still? No, it's two. It's two. One of them is that, that the, that's one of my real tallest one. It's about six feet tall, and yeah. the, the other one's about five and a half feet tall. It, 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 yeah, I can see the green. I took a knife and tried to cut down some mm-hmm. on each side. I said, well, I get to try to hit you out of here a little bit. But, <laughs> but, but it, 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 it's come out there about five and a half inches or something like that, and it, it just stopped. It won't, it, 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 it just won't come out no more. Roy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say let's wait a little bit more before we make a decision on this. Don't do any more of the cutting on the top because that's where, yeah. the, where the leaf comes out and you can do damage there you don't oh, want to yeah, do. Oh yeah, I understand, so I understand. let's leave that alone. It's possible that the ones, that you, the ones that are not behaving correctly are more sensitive to temperature. Maybe it's still a little bit too chilly for them, although 90 degrees today. And oh yeah, tomorrow, yes, yes, enough, yes. It should be. Yeah, and I fertilized it and, 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 and put some water on it and, yeah. and dug around the bottom of it and everything like I've always done. And uh, But this is the first time I've ever had anything do like this before. Let's check back in in a couple of weeks, Roy, and right. see if it, what happens then, because I okay. just think that this may be something that can fix itself over, over time. All right. Okay, okay. Thank you, Mr. Reed. All right, Roy. Great talking to you. I'll check back with you. All right. All right. Thank we'll you, sir. Talk to you soon, then. We got Gene on the line. Gene, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gene. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Uh, my sister has a black Ozark black apple tree and a golden delicious. Yeah. And they have very few blooms and no fruit. Hmm. What's she doing wrong? Do you know how well she's fertilizing, Gene? She fertilizes. Has fertilized it. In the spring, she right. said before, but it, it, uh, the Golden Delicious had about four apples last year, but the Black Ozark has never had any fruit. 
me let me fade your signal down a little bit, Jane. You're popping and clipping over here. I can't quite hear you. But what I think she needs to do, if you want to advise her, Jean, is to fertilize a little bit more regularly than once a year. Do it twice, maybe even three times a year, because fertilizer forces a plant to put more leaves. Sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes not such a good thing. But in this case of the apples, it seems to me like that if you get more leaves, you get more sunshine, of course, and the more sunshine you have in a plant, the more energy it has. And the more energy it has, the more the plant is stimulated to make flowers and fruit and to reproduce itself. So I think that your sister needs to fertilize maybe twice a year and see if that doesn't help a little bit. That's the only thing right now that she can do. It's already after bloom time, of course, so not much more for apples this year. But fertilize at least one more time in June, maybe, in June or July, maybe this year. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. All right, Jean. Thanks for calling. Good to talk to you. 404-872-0750 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the Lawn and Garden advice you need. Well, the crooks are out. And the streets are gray You know I wouldn't have it any other way Yeah Your mother's words there. We get into the good the music this morning A quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security Pretty much today and tomorrow the same Partly cloudy, a chance of showers perhaps High of 90 degrees, low of 70 overnight Tomorrow low of 72 overnight your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Our phone number is 404-872-0750. One of the things that I have a lot of fun doing every week is putting together the bi-weekly email newsletter that I do. And it's free, by the way. If you want to subscribe to it, just go to my website and up in the top right-hand corner and click on subscribe to the newsletter. Easy enough to do that. But the question that I got this past week was really interesting. A woman said, I was standing on the front porch of my house with my husband, and I heard a noise in the arborvitae shrubs that were right next to the steps there. And I looked over at the, at the arborvitae. She said, it was moving. And I thought, what? Or she thought, what in the world is going on? And she and her husband looked more closely at the arborvitae, and it was covered on one side of it with bagworms. And if you've not seen bagworms before or heard them, when they feed on plants, you have missed something. It's an interesting insect. The, the insect is actually a wingless wasp, not a, not a caterpillar. It looks like a caterpillar at one stage of its life, but this little wingless wasp makes a bag around her body out of the needles of the usually the cedar tree or the arborvitae that she's feeding on. Little and cypresses sometimes have them too. And so the bag she carries around with her, she just sticks her head out and feeds onto the needles and uses them you know, to feed on. The male is winged, and the male you never see is a little tiny thing about an inch long. But the female, once they have mated with each other, she lays eggs inside the bag. And so for the woman who questioned me about what she should do about the bagworms on her arborvitae, the first thing to do is to pick off every one of the bags you can find, whether it has a live insect inside or a dead insect inside. they got eggs in there. Take off all the bags. And I gave her practical information. You need to wear gloves because our vitamins are sticky. They'll poke you in the skin. But pull off all the bags first. Spray with an insecticide second to get some of the immature ones that are climbing around and looking for ways to make a bag. 
do another bag evacuation in the middle to late summer, sometime in July. Look again for bags that you missed the first time and spray again with insecticide. And two, two times should get them all out of there. But bagworms, arborvitaes, they can be a real nuisance. They'll eat up all the needles on a plant real, real quickly. The 658, our phone number, 404-872-0750. Back after news. 